When someone invites you to do something, it's really hard to say no. And that's how Christians can follow God's plan, by inviting people to enjoy community together. Hey everyone, it's Karen G from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast, where we hope listening in helps you continue on your own faith journey. For the last few weeks, Pastor Jason has been exploring what we need to do to take our next steps in the path to spiritual formation. So let's dig into part three of our sermon series, Your Next Move. Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning here at Tower Hill. If you are new with us, a very special welcome to you. I'm Pastor Jason. This is Tower Hill Church Online. You are in the right place. And as we get started for worship, again, if you're new, I encourage you, make yourself known. Type your name in the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. We're so glad to welcome everybody far and wide. Some of you, you may be in the community here in the greater Red Bank area or beyond. We're just so glad to have you. And I pray that we're able to let go and worship God together. So welcome. Well, we are in the middle of a sermon series now that's all about figuring out what's your next step in your relationship with God. What does it look like to take a next move? Because we believe that no matter where you are in your faith, whether you're brand new to faith, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, that everybody can take a next step. And really, as we talk about this taking next steps, this is really what the church is all about, right? It's not about church as this place where we just hand out religious goods and services, but it's a community where we're all taking steps in faith together, encouraging one another, helping one another, building each other up. That is the church, and I hope that you get a little glimpse of that, or you are reminded of that as we continue in this series today. So, your next move. The question really is, what does God want for me right now? Not what did God want for me sometime in the past or what might God want for me next year or in two years? I mean, those are important questions, but what does God want for me right now? And this is the question that we should ask every single day of our lives, right? That the Christian life is a life that's in constant process. Faith is in constant process and our following God's in constant process. And we talked the last two weeks about different next steps that you can take. And we said the first one was to follow. We talked about what it looks like to start to follow Jesus in your life. And then the second is to choose community, that the Christian life isn't just about the individual life. It's about the communal life together in faith and why that's important. And all of this is the process of spiritual formation or sanctification, and that is the process of being made more holy, being made more like Jesus, like the potter's hand at the clay. The Lord is shaping us to look more and more like Jesus. And it's a process. We believe that when you come to faith, you've heard people say terms like, uh, I got saved, or, or that's when I was saved, that's when I had salvation. That's just a way of saying that was the moment I, I believed that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. I believe that he is my Lord and he is my Savior. And then the rest of your life isn't just, a, well, I'm glad that's done. You know, uh, I'm good to go. I'm going to the right place when I die. No, it's about, well, what's the rest of my life going to, how am I going to honor God with this gift of salvation that I did not deserve? 
How am I going to honor God? And more than that, how am I going to join God in his work for the world? And that's the wildest part about this, is that you and I are invited into something. We're going to talk about this today. But in our heart of hearts, we have to believe one thing, that God's version of me is greater than my version of me. That whatever God has for me in my life, I have to believe wholeheartedly that it's better than what I could come up with. Because if I don't, I'm really not going to follow him. Maybe I'll say I'm following him. Maybe I'll think about following him. Maybe I'll think it would be nice to follow him, but in the end, I won't. Because I won't trust God over myself. And, you know, I don't know why we do that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something that happens, though. So I have to believe that what God wants for me is something so much better. And, you know, as we said last week, God's version of me is shaped in community. And so that's why being part of us online, going to a church in person when you can, being a part of ministry and life together does something to you, helps you follow, helps to shape you to be more like Jesus, that version of you he created you to be. Boy, you know, uh, today I want to talk about something. Isn't it a special feeling when you get invited to something? When you get an invitation in the mail? Like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. I got invited. I, I got thought of. Maybe you could think of a time when you were invited to something and it really meant a lot. You got invited, maybe it was to the prom or maybe it was to some special occasion. Maybe it was to, with some group of friends that you were really hoping that you're going to get to get invited to go out and do something with. And you can think about what that felt like to be invi invited and how special you felt. Or maybe kind of on the opposite side of that, think about, when you were not invited, and what that felt like, and how hard that was, and the different emotions that you had. But of course, not all invitations are the same. For example, you know, maybe you've been offered this wonderful thing. Hey, you're invited to Orlando for two days and three nights. It's going to be the great, it's going to be just a wonderful escape for you and your family. But you just have to attend a brief timeshare presentation. <laughs> How many of you got sucked into that before, right? A brief timeshare, you know, I swear, you know, they're like locking the doors, ropes over the doors, you know, you can't get out until they're done with you. And, and something happens, I don't know if it's like coming in through the air vents, but then you're just like, you're like, I'm ready to sign, just get me out of here. Not all invitations are the same, and some invitations, invitations leave us feeling like we've been used. Or maybe it's not something that, uh, that we thought it was. And then other invitations are things like we would jump at. You know, the telemarketer calls, I may not jump at it. But if someone calls me and they're like, look, Jason, do you want to go to the Oscars? You and the red carpet. Yeah, you, you and your wife, you go, go to the Oscars, right? You're going to be sitting amidst, amidst the famous actors, you know, and, and producers and just enjoy the night and it's for free and you get to mingle and all this, get dressed up. Like, that'd be so exciting. And you would feel so excited to go and be invited to the red carpet moment, to something like that. And so, you know, you have to acknowledge that it matters what we're being invited to, that some things aren't as exciting as others. The what matters when it comes to the things that we are invited to participate in. Uh, it, but, you know, let's say it's not just a male invitation, but it's, it's a personal invitation. Somebody from the Oscars comes to your house, right? <laughs> gung, gung, gung. Hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so, and I want to personally invite you and your wife to come join us 
uh, with the Oscar, for the Oscars this year. I mean, that would feel so special. Something about the personal invitation means so much more even than the one that you might get in the mail. That personal connection, it feels like, oh my gosh, the person inviting me really cares about me to take the time to invite me personally, to invest in me personally. And it feels really, really special. So it's also how the invitation happens matters. But then, you know, what if that person knocking on the door is none other than Tom Hanks, the great one, right? The most trusted man in America, apparently, according to People Magazine. He came to your house and said, look, I wanna, I'm Tom Hanks. Maybe you've seen me in the movies. I want to invite you to come attend the Oscars with me and, and come to the after party and bring in as many people as you want. It's going to be at my house. I, I hope you'll consider coming. What are you talking about? You know, before he's even done with his sentence, we're like, you know, we got our bags, we're ready to go. We are ready. We're, we're thinking about all the people on our email list that we're going to reach out to and invite to the party. I mean, this would be something that you wouldn't ever say no to. So it also matters who's doing the inviting right? I mean, you know this in your life, right? So I think those three, those three things play a part. The, the what, the how, and the who. And then I think about the gospel. The gospel is the ultimate invitation. And yet, I don't know that we approach it with the same excitement the same abandon, the same passion that we do, some of the other invitations in our lives that really are nothing in comparison. Well, let's just go with the what, how, and who. What everlasting life with God. Invited into community with God, like we've been talking about. Invited in with God and with one another to be fulfilled, to experience life to the full. Right? And that is how? Personal invitation. Personal invitation through Jesus Christ. Right? God thought it was important enough to come himself and invite us into the gospel. And that's just it. Who? It's God himself. You can't find a greater what, how, or who, can you? And what does God say? You're invited and bring as many as you can. I'm giving you the ultimate gift. This is the ultimate invitation. This invitation goes out to everybody. And sadly, not all of us take them up on it for one reason or another. God sends an individual invitation to each of us to join the community and to join the mission. Those two things you can't separate. What, what you discover when you start reading, especially the New Testament, is you start discovering that the invitation to participate in life with God is all part of serving the mission of God, which is what? Bringing that good news gospel to the world, bringing the invitation for everybody. That when Jesus ascended into heaven, we became plan A for how that invite goes out. We, all the followers and believers of Jesus Christ, we, the church, he came to deliver the invitation himself in Jesus. And then he asked us, the church, to deliver it to the world. I don't know that we always think about church that way. I don't know that, that we always think about my 
decision to participate in church is a decision to be part of the mission of God. Because I think we usually think it's like, well, what is it going to do for me? It's sort of like a mixture of self-help and therapy. That that we come in, I want to be a better person, I want to be a better Christian, I want to be a better mother, father, you know, husband, wife, brother, sister, whatever it is. And, And I do believe that happens when we live in faith, is that hopefully it gives us a shot at being better at those things. But that's not the first thing. The first thing is to live in the way of Jesus, to be in communion with God in such a way that I become more and more like him that I can navigate this world with the truth and love of Jesus Christ. And that I'm called to to bring that truth and love to everybody who needs it, the whole world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He always had a worldwide reach in mind. And he's asked you and I, as the church, to do it. And here's the thing about invitations. The invitation must be sent or it's useless, right? Right? You can have great intentions to send an invitation to somebody. I've, I've done it, right? You have a list of people that you want, want to send an invitation to. Something happens, I don't know, coffee spills, you lose the list or whatever, you don't remember all the names. You can have intention to do it, but it's really worthless unless it's sent out. God sent himself to invite us into relationship with him and mission to the world. It was once said that God didn't create a mission for the church. He created the church for his mission. The mission is everything. And so what's the next step that you and I can take? That step is join the mission. Join the mission. Whether you realize it or not, you're already signed up for it, (laughs) right? If you're a believer in Jesus. Now join it. It's time to get in the game. It's time to participate. Join in the mission of God. You know, it's fascinating when we talk about mission. I, I'm, I love looking at what different companies do, different churches do, because I think mission really matters. I remember uh, in his book, uh, Howard Schultz, the um, CEO, was the CEO of Starbucks a couple of different times, uh, talks about what happened when he left Starbucks in the year 2000 and came back in 2008, that during that time, the company really floundered. And it's because the company was, well, well, he says it was only, when he got there, it was only about seven months away from insolvency, if you could even imagine Starbucks being insolvent. Um, and, and the reason it was argued was, well, there was a big recession. It was, it was economically driven, the reason why things weren't going well. Or it was competition. I think McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts had some new campaigns that were generating a lot more traffic And they thought, well, that's why we're not doing so well. And and Howard Schultz said, no, 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 that actually wasn't it at all. The real reason is that we had forgotten our mission. We forgot what we were supposed to be all about. And we we became, in those eight years, very generic. It felt very cold. It didn't feel like a customized experience. We had really abandoned everything that our mission was about. We didn't mean to. In the name of efficiency, and profit and other things, we decided to change some things and, and we lost our way. I wonder, a lot of people ask, why are churches declining? Well, perhaps we've forgotten our mission. I think it's possible. Because you know what happened is we stopped actively inviting. Part of our mission 
is to go out into the world. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And to uh, invite Invite people into a relationship with Jesus. Invite people into the community of God. And what happened over time is most churches, we've just stopped inviting. You know what it is? It, we, we would love for people to come, but it's more of a passive invitation. We hope you'll show up. The door is always open for you. But we're not going out to where you are and asking you in. We're just hoping you'll choose to come in all on your own. That's not the same thing as inviting. I think we've forgotten our mission a little bit. And I think churches in America are definitely paying the price. That's not the only reason, but I think that's part of it. Absolutely. See, the church, or the ecclesia, as we see in the New Testament, this word for, for church means gathering. Gathering of a particular people for a particular purpose. And you could have called a lot of things an ecclesia, but ecclesia was used to talk about church. Church was always about a movement, not a monument. It's about a gathering, not a gathering place. I think what happens when you think place instead of people is you lose the whole idea of invitation. Or even you lose your way of what you're inviting them into. Are you inviting them to show up to a location? Or are you really inviting them to take a step with God with one another? That's tough. It's tough to communicate that, I know. But I think in a way, subtly, over time, it's caused us to shift away from what our created purpose is. I think, too, the invitation is always incarnational. It's always personal. And it's always about people going out and inviting people. Do you know what? What always cracks me up, so when I talk with other churches about this, there's always a big mystery. How do we reach out to people? How do we re reach out to people? And I was at a, a consultation I was doing recently with a church that had a couple of new families there, and I just went up to the new young families, and I said, how did you hear about this church? And they said, uh, you know, both of them said, well, somebody invited us. I mean, rocket science, Right. But this is true. What's the number one outreach in every church? It's personal invitation. It always has been. It always will be. It's always about people inviting people to experience faith together. Here at Tower Hill, all of our growth that's happened over the last nine years, we didn't advertise. I don't know, maybe we should have, but we didn't. It was all word of mouth. People inviting people. I think part of reconnecting with the mission of God is getting good again at inviting. And not in an annoying way, you know, because I think part of the reason we don't invite is because we don't want to be awkward about it. We don't want to be seen as the annoying Christian that's constantly inviting people to church. I think there are ways of doing it that are very organic and relational. Um, and I encourage you to, to talk with each other about that and, and figure that out. But, but I think we have to do that. I think we have to cultivate a practice of inviting again. After all, that's what we're called to do. That's how we join the mission. Because here's the thing. The invitation must be sent or it's useless, right? It's intention plus action. We followers of Jesus need to not just be, in, you know, hey, I'd love to invite people, but we actually need to do, it, to do it. We have to actually take a step ourselves and join the mission. So what are three different ways that we can join the mission? Here are just a, a couple of categories and, and it can lead to all sorts of different opportunities. The first is this. 
I think we have to become mission-minded. We have to remember why we're here in the first place. We're not here to get sort of fed necessarily just for ourselves. It's more than that. It's fed so that we can have the energy to go do the work. I mean, it's the way food works, right? You don't just feed, feed, feed and, and just sit on the couch. I mean, we all know that's unhealthy. Well, same thing with Christians. If we just get fed, 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 and we don't do anything with it, that's unhealthy. Healthy bodies move. Healthy bodies have the nutrition and energy to go do the work. That's the reason you need the nutrition and energy is for the actual work of living. And for the church, it's for the actual work of inviting, of reaching out, of joining the mission. This, after all, is from the Great Commission. This is, I mean, listen, Jesus' final words Right? Jesus' big statement where he says, okay, follower, this is what I really want you to know now. Now that you know me, now that you believe in me, here's what I want you to hear. He says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go. Right? Not therefore, sit and think about all the ways you'd like to go. <laughs> no, no, no. Therefore, go. Get up off the couch. Get out there. Go do it. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Not just hear everything I've commanded you, but to obey, to do it. That's discipleship. And that's the same for us too, right? It's not just believing in what Jesus tells us. It's doing what Jesus tells us. He says, then you're supposed to go do that and help make disciples of other people, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But here's the problem. I don't think we're really good at inviting. At least a lot of churches across America haven't been for a long time. It, I think some people have the perception that it's a little bit like the Orlando trip, right? I've got this great offer for you, but we're going to get you to pay eventually. That church just wants something from me, not for me. They want what I have. And a lot of this, I mean, there's so much baggage that people have about church. And, and I have to say, I get it. Rightfully so. That baggage was well-earned when church just becomes about money for the institution. That's a problem. Because it's not about the institution anyway. It's about the work of the people. The work of God through a faith community. And it's great to have a building. It's great to have a place to gather. It's great to have resources, funds to help. And we help missions all over the world. We help missions in our own town. We give so much money out. And we're able to do so many, we reach so many people, all generations. And that is all not just because we have a building here. It's because it's the equipping of the people of God, right? Everything that we have, buildings, property, whatever it is, is a tool to be leveraged for the real work. And that's the mission of God. So I, I think the first thing we have to do is just become mission-minded, that everything we do is mission. It's not just going somewhere and serving for a week that counts as mission. It's 
How am I interacting with people on my kids' baseball team? How am I interacting with people at my workplace? Or, or my family? Or my friends? All of that should be me participating in the mission of God by the way I am. Not that I walk around speaking in some sort of like King James English. Right? Oh, that is a good idea that thou hast showed me. No, it's not that. It's how am I showing the love of God? How am I living a life of truth and love? Jesus was the perfect balance of truth and love. How do I live that way? How do I live in the way of Jesus? Again, this is all part of spiritual formation. I'm becoming more like Jesus when I join his mission. Why? Because in his very DNA, Jesus was walking, breathing mission. And so the more like Jesus I become, the more mission-minded I become. Okay, the second thing is related. It's to become a better ambassador. I need to be better at this in my life. It says that we are all ambassadors of Christ, but do people really want the invitation to join the party? Is it like the timeshare call when someone gets asked to come to church or be a part of a, a mission? Sadly, I think so. So how do we change that? I think it's through how we behave. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So wonderfully said, right? I think that's really clear. He's making his appeal through us. We become the living, breathing mission. We become the living, breathing invitation for the world. It's always incarnational. It's always about people and people. And then the third, we have to develop a habit of inviting. We have to make it part of our lives. And that takes time, and it takes practice. And it's not like you have to memorize, I have to do these three, four, five steps in order to invite somebody to church. Just as you are living life with other people in your proximity, find ways to invite them into a relationship with God. Not necessarily to a building, not necessarily to a worship service, although a lot of people find that's an easy first step. But maybe it's, hey, a bunch of guys are coming over and, you know, we talk about faith every week and I want to invite you. If you want to come, be great. Be great to have you. Or, hey, you know, uh, our kids, our kids seem to get along. Let's, let's do a play date. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of those go by and then it's like, hey, you know, uh, they attend the weeknight fellowship at church. It's so fun. The kids have a blast. Do you think your kids want to go? It should happen organically in relationship. And this is just it. This is the Christian life. That your next move should always be in the orbit of God's mission. Always. In one way or another. It should be a life of invitation. Inviting the world to come and see the Lord's goodness. To experience salvation. To allow themselves and their hearts to be transformed by Jesus Christ. Why? Because we want for them what God wants for them. We want them to be fulfilled, to experience joy. We want them to have life everlasting. It's not because we want to uh, grow our church so we can say we have a bigger church. We want to grow our church because God says it matters. 
God wants us to reach in mission. The truth is, God's version of me is mission in action. And so when you start doing this, when you start joining the mission of God, you know what happens? Things get clearer. And you start to understand exactly what's your next move. Amen. Amen.